Gonna drop it like a bear. <sighs> sure. Like a drop bear. Minds at York. I'm Megan. My name is Alex. And I'm Tim. I didn't, I didn't know where to go with that. Alex. I really appreciate your ASMR yeah. voice, Alex. <laughs> I can do the whole show this way. Please don't. I don't know if I can handle I don't, that. I don't have an ASMR voice. I'm afraid I can't do that. My ASMR voice is a little bit homicidal AI. <laughs> It really is, and I'm not. I don't know how to feel about that. Androids sometimes all. murder. That's Murderbot. Something that starts with an R. Oh, you were talking about what ASMR stands for? Yes. There's a podcast I listen to where they literally call it Asmer. <laughs> I just can't. So, the 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 biggest regret I have of the fact that I am I am parting ways with our D and D group. Is that I had had the thought that I could create a bard character who specializes in like quiet spoken <laughs> word That's right. and like sound cue art and have him be an Asimir, an ASMR Asimir. That's right. I remember you creating this and it was my favorite thing in the world. If memory serves, your response was, oh God, Alex! <laughs> that doesn't mean actually i guess that does but also that is ten, ten, the that does tend to be my first reaction for most things with you that's that's true and weirdly not just you i get that a lot <laughs> i am the marco charlie just parked in agreement i don't know if you heard that i did hear that thank you charlie <laughs> that is some bullshit mm. but we read an animorph this week we did Number 49. We did. Tim, do you have a, a, a summary for us? I do. It's book 49, The Diversion. Dun, dun, dun. Rachel brings Tobias a Big Mac. The Yerks are using blood samples to try and find the Andalite bandits. The Animorphs find where and break in. The Yerks are about to discover that Tobias's mom is connected to the Animorphs. When a hork bajir fight breaks out, Tobias goes to check on his mom. She is blind and works at a crisis center. The gang votes to get their families to safety. Cassie convinces her family to leave through rational discussion. Rachel uses other means. <laughs> the Yerks have a trap planned at Jake's house. Jake's parents have been Yerked. He takes the news poorly. Tobias finds his mom and with a little help becomes her guide dog. He finds out his mom had an accident that gave her total amnesia. Tobias hatches a plan to get the morphing cube to his mom and has her bird out. A huge helicopter fight ensues. Tobias's mom is shot, and she has to morph back to human. She is no longer blind, but still does not have memories. Everyone heads back to the Hidden Valley Ranch. But what about Jake's family? 
the new Hidden like, Valley Ranch. Yeah. I was going to say, it's Hidden Valley Ranch part That's two. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> so. How do we feel about this book, guys? I loved I, it. I thought it was solid. Oh. Um, I would like to start with the irony of the one time, the one time in 49 main series books that the Animorphs have a viable cover for their weird fucking animals being around. A circus next door <laughs> is, in fact, the time they get caught and out themselves as humans. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting to see the mistakes that have been made since Marco's dad has come aboard with knowing that they're Animorphs. Yeah, which it makes sense. Like, things are... Everything is new. The old rules don't work now. Totally valid. It's just a funny setup to me that there's all this like, yeah, there's a circus setting up and there are elephants and Rachel's going to morph an elephant and then run off and join the circus and hide among the elephants and demorph and then just stay there. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what Rachel's going to do. It's like, all that happens and all that other than Rachel staying there, which no one actually knew would happen or which everyone actually knew would not happen. All that works, but it doesn't matter. No. No, we're in in game at this point. Yes. I also enjoyed this book. This is one of my top five favorites. Dude, this was such a page turner for me. I was so invested in what happened to Tobias's mom, and and the fight at the end. Like this was a could not put it down book for me. <laughs> so let's start with Tobias's mom and the fact that we really haven't thought about her much Mm-mm. since, uh, Andalite Chronicles, which. To remind you, is a story we read, not a story that the Animorphs heard, like the Horkbisher Chronicles. Tobias heard that story. Right. So it's not like he knows the story of, like, how his mom and dad met. No, it's true. And all these exciting adventures that they went on. All he knows is how they unmet. Kind of makes me a little sad, like, that at no point has he ever really stopped to be like, does my mother fucking remember? She's, like... Married to an alien? How did how did she meet an alien? Like, none of this, I guess, has crossed his mind. Do you think if the Andalite Chronicles were released today, it would be called How I Unmet Your Mother? No, I do not. <laughs> would Bob Saget at least play Elfanger? Uh, no. Uh, no. Man. Bob Saget joined TikTok. And people were confused that Bob Saget understand the WAP song. And I was like, where the fuck have you been? Bob Saget is like one of the dirtiest old men on this planet. Like, what? Bob Saget has like the perfect con going on where everyone (laughs) mainstream is convinced he is the most wholesome TV dad in history. (laughs) When in fact, he is the dirtiest old perv. He is. (laughs) And him having to be like, yes, I understand the song WAP. What what do you mean? Do I understand this? It's not something that I ever wanted to think about, but here we are. I remember back when the the Aristocats joke Aristocrats, not Aristocats, when the the Aristocrats joke was a thing. I kept hearing it be referenced, but again, kind of a sheltered childhood. No one would explain the fucking premise to me. All I knew was I was never allowed to look up what it meant, and also Bob Saget was a dirty bird. All of this is true. So, yeah, we don't, like, Tobias really doesn't 
I mean, one of the letdowns of the series is the fact that we don't really ever get a lot of reaction to Tobias being Elfinger's son. Like, that is towards the end of book 23. We don't get a lot of reaction to it. We never get the reaction of Axe finding out that he's Tobias's uncle or anything along those yeah. lines. Even when it's acknowledged, it's in passing. Like in this book, the... And then there's yeah. Axe, who's technically my uncle. Don't ask. Yeah. So I guess, like, how do you guys feel about this? What is the this here? Like his his finding his mom, or I guess just like the fact that we really haven't thought about the mom or about his mom, or I I guess Tobias has never so... really like sat down and been like, how the fuck did he she meet an alien? And like, the... is the understanding that he took human form and then just like she never knew? Anytime you get to dive deeper into the family relationships, especially the more screwed up ones in this story, I'm I'm 100% in for it. When these people come back and you get to like follow up with what feel like plot holes. Not, not Tim plot Reed's holes. Animorphs. Oh, totally, totally on board. Yeah. Wishing there was more. Yeah. Tim Reed's yeah. Animorphs as a soap opera I do. is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I do. I mean, to be fair, this book acknowledges that this is a bit of a soap opera. Yes. Like-esque yeah. feel. Um... The thing I like about this book and bringing Lauren Beck in in this book is there was a weird part of my brain going like, okay, the obvious answer is Tom's blood is the tip off. Like, I I knew just the way it was set up. Like, they're going to get a match on someone's relative. It's going to be that. They're missing the obvious thing from 2020 where, I mean, the thing I guess to keep in mind is this is what, 2001? The OJ January 2001, yep. The OJ trial was 94. Like In the grand scheme of things, blood and DNA evidence was still a pretty new concept when this book came out. So, like, I get they're not going to, oh, yeah, it's a partial match on family. Um, but there was a weird lizard part of my brain that was like, okay... Maybe it's a match on Tom or on some of, one of Rachel's family members. But this would be a weird fucking place to bring back, like, Lauren. <laughs> so you, but you knew the back of this book because we did it last episode. So you knew Lauren was coming back. Did it say, it didn't I say don't think in it the. Did. In I the, didn't know. Because the back of the okay. book is different than the, yeah. the teaser page okay. at the end of the book. Okay, um, so you went into this not realizing that Lauren was coming back. I didn't. Now, the thing I will say about that is, in my head, like, right up to the Andalite Chronicles, and kind of peripherally, but after that I was like, okay, I just misremembered. There was a part of me going, did she die in a car accident or something like that? Where does the car accident fit into this? Because I clearly remembered car accident was a big thing. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think early on, I think it is supposed to be considered like a continuing, con- an error. And the fact that I think early on he does say that his mom is dead, but it could be just like a situation of him being like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I like this as a place to bring her back, especially like knowing that this is our last solo Tobias book. It is our last solo Tobias book. In the same way that I felt like the last Rachel book was a good, okay, we're kind of bringing thematic closure in a way to Rachel. 
this is bringing thematic closure in a way to Tobias. But still in a very Tobias way. Yes. Yeah, it's so like of all the heartbreak. Yeah, in the world. it's super not resolved and like, man, she really likes that dog like better than me. It's you not know, it's... resolved, but there's this tiny little kernel of Yeah, right. That repeated idea because he talks about so when they try to get Cassie's parents away, Cassie has Tobias morph and like her mother's immediate reaction is, Oh no, this thing is sick it is infected get away from it axe comes and she's like oh my god the radiation i knew this would happen kids stay away puts herself between rachel walks in as a grizzly bear because her solution is she knows her mother (laughs) won't listen to reason so she's just gonna strong arm her and let her sisters think axe is a pokemon (laughs) which is my favorite detail in this book (laughs) and like rachel's mom gets between the girls and the bear and both times tobias is like yeah, this is a thing parents do, and I'm kind of salty about it because my mother never did this for me. But we get that beat in the yeah. fight where she does almost sacrifice herself, putting herself between him and danger. So, like, it it does two things for me. It, it doesn't resolve the relationship. Like, Tobias is never going to get a happy ending. Tobias from book one was never going to get a happy ending. Sure. But the thematic idea that, like, there is something that transcends a little bit is, I think, enough probably for him to call it a happy ending. But also going back to the Andalite Chronicles, how awesome is Lauren still? I was, yeah, I, like, have a note. The last note I wrote is Lauren is awesome. Lauren is still a fucking badass person. Like, she's still the actual best character in this series, I think. At least supporting character. I appreciate her being terrified of going back to human form. Like, genuinely understanding why someone would stay as a bird. Yeah. When it's like, why is my son a bird? (laughs) Yeah, like, there's that Um, moment he's, like, morphed back and she's like, what if I can't see? Yeah. (laughs) Like, she would make the same call. And she's the same bird he is. Like, that's... That is really cool. Like, she literally is a copy of Tobias. She acquired him. Yeah. I was super proud of myself because when Cassie ran back in and and got the morphing cube, I sat there and I thought, that's going to come back up later in the story. And then I'm so proud of you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like a monstrous achievement for me. It it really is. Like,. I feel like Tim has just had thematic closure on his arc of Mind's Ear. Oh, God. Um, And then when Jake said that uh, Tobias was going to need Rachel's talents, and I was like, yep, Morphin Cube. And actually, and that didn't quite register how awesome of a story point that was for Tobias to, to get his mom to morph. Like, and once I was reading it, that's what I was talking about it being a page turner. I was like, this is fantastic. Like no, um, I think as, as often, we are officially at the point where they're going to be just fucking amazing for the next six months, as, five months. As often as we complain about them, you know, doing stupid stuff or you know, telling the campers or whatever it is, these dumb. Th- this was an awesome move. Mm-hmm. So, I also think this book has one of my favorite Marco moments ever, which is after after Tobias has like come back for second round of recon after things have gone south with jake's family oh, yeah. tobias just hears in his head 
the dog. That's your angle. Mm-hmm. That's your way in. Yeah. Yep. It's like I want to protect an endangered species. You. <laughs> I just love it so much. Being legally dead agrees with Marco. <laughs> it strangely does, and I want to get more into Marco, but I don't want to get off Lauren just quite yet. Yeah. Um. This accident that Lauren had. Elemis bullshit? Absolutely Elemis bullshit. It's almost like he did like the little Three Stooges eye thing to her and it had like an Elemis burn or something. Like that's just what it sounded like to me. I really don't know. Like part of me, I feel like the easy way out is of course the Elemis did this. Like of course she was going to go crazy with having two sets of memories or some shit. But also like fuck the Elemis if that's the case. I, I think it's something different than that. And this is like... I think bordering on Friggy in a way, although she's got way too much autonomy in Andalite Chronicles for it probably really to be that. Um, my read of kind of that last beat of Andalite Chronicles is the Elemist allowed all of this to happen because he needed Tobias to exist. But did he need Tobias to be in such a terrible place? I think so, because I think he needed Tobias to be who Tobias is. And I don't think Tobias ever would have been... I mean, Tobias would not have been in the wall in the mall to just randomly walk home with Jake, who had saved him from the bullies, if he hadn't always lived this kind of miserable life. But Jake and Rachel were happy accidents. They were not intended to be part of the group. The Elemist wanted the Zerwan's child, Cassie as an anomaly, and Elfinger's son. Rachel and Jake were happy accidents. That's and, from like yeah, Megamorphs two or three. No, I I I know what you're saying. I I remember that, but like I think it's not just Tobias needed to be there. I think Tobias needed to be there, and I'm not sure he would have been if he'd come from a happy home. At least not by '90s narrative logic. Sure. But I also think, like, how often has Tobias being the eyes in the sky been the only thing between the Animorphs and absolute decimation? You're not wrong. Like, I think Tobias had to be a bird. And I think that's probably... That's why I say Lauren having the accident is Elemis bullshit, because I think he needed Tobias not to grow up happy. Well, they never tell you what the accident was, though, do they? They say it was a car accident. Did they say that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Elemis. I think Lawrence says it. I'm going to stick with Elemis bullshit. Yeah. Because Tobias was a baby. Like, it was not long after she was born. Yeah. And I like the discussion of her being like, it's not just that I couldn't care for a child. Like, I needed to learn how to brush my teeth and to do that i needed to learn what a fucking tooth was yeah, like, it's not just i didn't know how i didn't know what teeth were like what these hard things in my mouth were called yeah what are these mouth bones <laughs> it really does suck that like yeah they could have had such a happy loving family like lauren and elfangor are soulmates across the distant galaxies and it should have been such a happy family the fault was in their stars no, no, we do not bring John Green into this. Hank Green's okay. But <laughs> um, but this family had to be destroyed so that 
the universe could potentially be saved? They're like the reverse of the Skywalkers. If the Skywalkers <laughs> had never happened, the universe would have been fine. Or that galaxy, at least, would have been fine. But if the Elfangers or the Alfangors had the never fangors. happened, then everyone would be hosed. Do you think Lauren's going to continue to fight with them? Only on Saturday nights, because Saturday night's all right for fight. I, I honestly don't. I, it wouldn't surprise me if she makes another appearance at some point, but I don't think it'll be, like, a regular occurrence. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, No, I mean, we now have to deal with the fact that the parents just found out. Like, yeah. that's all kind of yeah. quickly shuffled in. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about the parents um, as a group, partly because I need to get to specifically what Rachel's mom ends up doing. <laughs> I want to get to that, too, but I want to talk about Marco and Axe first. Okay, okay, I let's do that. I have so much to talk about when it comes to Marco and Axe. Um, is this book why everybody ships them? I don't know, but I love it so fucking much. So much of this book I ended up reading out to my roommate and be like, I just need you to sit here and listen to me read this and laugh. Or I'm just going to laugh and you're not going to understand why. Because Axe in this book is probably my favorite of anything in this series. If there's one detail I walked away from this with, it's that... The same way, again, like, 90s, 90s teenage bedroom set dressing always has the, like, or hardware store or auto mechanic always has the, like, scantily clad pinup. <laughs> Axe is equivalent. My tattoo shop had that today. <laughs> so much of that. <laughs> Axe is equivalent of pinup poster is, like, pinwheel cookie poster. Not even that. You know he has the green M&M in that one scene that I <laughs> sent you earlier. Oh, I have to find it. Did the green M&M exist in 2000? I don't know. You can look that up while I'm looking for this. Quick, Tim. Fill the air. I've um, got it. Ready? The... No, wait. That's the one that I don't want to read just quite yet. He jerked his tum- thumb towards Axe, who was gazing lovingly at a magazine ad for the new original M&Ms. I'll trade you now, straight across. I just axe with a magazine being like, oh yes, MMs. Axe in the store being a hooligan oh, yeah. is the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> I the world needs more hooligans like Axe. <laughs> axe is a hooligan is what I would have pictured you as a hooligan. It's probably pretty accurate. I think I highlighted every single note of that. No. That might have been my favorite Axe part of the book. No, seriously, like, this is probably my favorite Axe book that is not an actual Axe book. Okay, Green was introduced in the 1990s. The the okay. anthropomorphic M&M. The color was introduced back in the 70s. Good to know. Apparently there's an urban myth that Green M&Ms are an aphrodisiac. Fuck, okay. You've never heard and this. That's why the green M&M is... Yeah. Oh, that's been around since I was... I, As long as I can remember. As long as that green M&M has existed, that rumor's been around. As long as I can remember. Yeah. I thought what? green M&Ms would get me horned. No. 
I don't know that so anybody... So weird goodfellas? It was yeah. one of the things you spread around in high school, but nobody actually believed. Like, somebody would say it and be like, nah. What, you but mean yeah, you don't... But you were all trying it? Is that what you're saying? You I... don't invite your date over for a, a drive-in movie, climb in the van, drive over, park, climb into the back, and there's a shag rug and a bunch <laughs> of beanbag furniture, and then just... A 55-gallon drum of green M&M's. <laughs> there That's were, not I mean, how you dated? The green M&M's were not the only one that fell in that category, though. There were what other, other M&M's turned what you on? M&M's? No, they weren't M&M's, but like, there were other food products. Skittles? No. Were green Skittles also horny? I don't remember what they were. There, well, there were Tim side effects to, to his youth? Uh, red dye number five would do things to you. I was about to ask about red vines, so. Red vines are a travesty. Tell that to, to, to Walter Bishop. Twizzlers. Walter would be so disappointed. <laughs> Probably. So acts as a hooligan. We are irresponsible teenage hooligans. We are irresponsible teenage hoodlums, possibly gang members, but you are not in any danger. That legitimately sounds like 13-year-old me trying to be like <laughs> Ah, she does not understand how menacing we are. You do not know me, but I am a juvenile delinquent. I do not trust authority figures. I probably will not graduate from high school. And statistics say my present rowdiness and vandalisms will likely lead to more serious crimes. I am a dangerous fellow, and I am causing mayhem in the store. Present rowdiness is the name of my debut hip-hop album <laughs> there i have now shamelessly destroyed the symmetry of this shelf undoing hours of labor by underpaid store employees if you could see me you would be frightened <laughs> also i got a razor blade on my butt <laughs> which would be soothing to her Okay, or to Cassie's so mom, maybe. Re- real quick, I'm just going to throw this in here since we're talking about Axe. Rearrange it. Did y'all look at the picture on the inside cover? Yes. And, and, first of all, not a 7-Eleven, a grocery store. Second of all, the aisle sign clearly says popcorn, nuts, candy, granola, bars, cereal. None of those things exist on that aisle. <laughs> None. I would argue this could be like... A more urban, metropolitan 7-Eleven. Like, I don't I think would, this has to I, be a grocery store. I will say that my 7-Elevens in New York tended to be more grocery store-esque. Did they, yeah. did they have aisle signs? Yes, sometimes. Oh, I have never I have, I have been in some that have had them. Well, any which way. The lying aisle sign, I cannot stand for. I mean, I'd also like to point out that it looks as though Lauren is, in fact, holding... The harness for... <laughs> that doesn't exist. The dog. But there is no harness on the dog. <laughs> Lauren is, in fact, a Jedi. This yes. is something we have... <laughs> we've really buried the lead here. Um, but Lauren is a Jedi. Also, well, shit. Also, the, the, the transformation on the front. The second stage... I want Adorable? The, I want this animal as a pet. <laughs> Without a doubt. The four-legged winged dog. With a beak. I'm telling you this, though, you do not want to have to, when you walk that dog, pick up its messes when it has a cloaca. Ah, uh, nice. 
a new record set every time. So yeah, Marco and Axe's roommates. Um, my favorite. Okay, there's a lot of good stuff here. Like there's the whole Marco splits his time between Hidden Valley Two and Axe's scoop, which Axe enlarged for Marco to be able to move in. There's the random bric-a-brac, including, like, a Game Boy and Game Boy cartridges spread around. But the best part is, just for shits and giggles one day, they decided to hack the CIA. I fucking love that. It was, like, a mixture of boredom and, can we do this? We can do this. Like, it's so easy, I think, to forget that Axe is still a space teen. Yeah. But moments like that are, like... I don't know. Fuck it. Let's do it. There's nothing on TV. We're caught up on all of our soaps. There's not a mission coming up. Yeah, I can't talk myself out of this anymore. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, we gotta know. It. Maybe we'll find something useful that will help us fight the Yurks. Let's, let's do that. Let's see if the CIA has any information on the Yurk invasion. There was something about that scene, and especially, like, Rachel as an elephant and everybody being like, mm, yeah, Rachel, mm, yeah, you're going to really sit still and do nothing. That felt old school Animorphs to me in the relationships. Like, we've had so much tension between everybody in the last few books. Yes. And this one just felt That's kind of like there's, okay. a, there's a release valve on the team in this one, right? Like... The things they have dreaded the whole time have finally started happening. Mm -hmm. And while that's terrifying, it's also maybe liberating. Like, to Rachel, I could see it being liberating. To Marco, like, not having to go to school, maybe. But, like, there's, I think, a release valve at some point on this. That's like, all right, the thing we're dreading is here. So now we have to get through it. And we will get through it. And in some ways it's very successful, and in other ways it's really not. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of dumpsters in this book. There is. This book may have set a record. Twelve. To the point that I noticed. Yeah, there's twelve. And I was. I decided that we need to make like a golden dumpster card or something and send it to Lisa Hargrader. I've got the (laughs) golden dumpster. I just, she would never understand, no. but also we should do this. <laughs> I just kept writing down numbers for pages that it was on. And I, oh, my God. Like, she's doing it on purpose. Now, Tim, <laughs> did you catch the other capitalized brand name? No. But I did hmm. notice Dumped and Dump were capitalized. And I'm like, not only is she setting a record, she's, like, messing <laughs> with me. Because she knows that's going to, like, set off my little dumpster radar. But no, I did not catch the other. Did you catch it, Meg? I did not. Sheetrock. Interesting. No, is it really? Yes. Oh my god. That blows my mind more than dumpsters. (laughs) What is... Wait, okay, if Sheetrock... You're right, it's twice. If Sheetrock is the brand named, what is the name of the item... That I am always referring to as sheetrock. I'm going to guess it's something like composite structural material. <laughs> Let's see here. Drywall? Oh, drywall. Yeah, drywall. Yep. Okay. No, oh, I had no idea. Yeah. 
what is the difference between sheetrock and drywall? Drywall is a or sheetrock is a specific brand of drywall. <gasps> it can also be called wallboard. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> well, that's that's only if it's used to build a burger chain owned by a Wahlberg. Oh. Can we talk about how so Visitor One's big villain, not really in this book. But the villain of this book is a fucking granny. Yes, the granny <laughs> controller. I love I, her so much. Do you know who I pictured every goddamn time she was mentioned? Who? Bridget from Once and Future. That's a fair, fair comparison. For those of you who haven't read it, Once and Future is a comic book that is amazing. Go read it. She's... Bridget in that is a badass granny who fights myths. Just like Betty White. Yeah, I I went with very much Betty White. Like, somebody who on their face would be very, very, like, the opposite of menacing. See, if I'm picturing a golden girl, I'm picturing either Blanche or uh, uh, Dorothy. That's fine. I just, like... For someone who hasn't read Once in Future. No. Betty White. I would go much more Estelle Getty. Really? Yes. No, see, I think Estelle Getty is too on the nose. I think something like... I think Blanche is the sweet spot for me. You think so? Walks that line between could be sweet or could absolutely eviscerate you. Oh, no. I could see Betty White giving us cookies and then shooting us with the helicopter. One, one, Tim... Tim, it would be cheesecake. Yeah, Come probably. on, keep Sorry. it in character. Okay. If it's Rose, she's giving us cheesecake. <laughs> but telling us about that time in St. Olaf? Yep. Oh, it'd be fantastic. All she wanted to do was build a snowman. The subtlest of head shakes from Meg. <laughs> Somehow the subtle I'm ones drunk. are the most I'm not, satisfying. Not drunk. <laughs> that one I got. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the parents. Okay. Yes. Um Do we want to talk about Jake first or Jake after? I say let's go in order. I didn't mean Jake's parents. I just meant Jake. Oh. I kind of feel like we have to talk about him and his parents together. Okay. So, they make this decision after a night of sleep and they start with Cassie's parents because they are in Cassie's barn, which by the way, this is the last time Cassie's barn is going to be used as like HQ. Yeah. So, like, also, going out. They're just the smallest detail. Like, it's the little details, I think, that really make this book sing. It's the first day both her parents have had off at the same time in forever. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh. So, how would you go about telling your parents that you're an animorph? I wouldn't. I was about to say the exact <laughs> same thing. Okay. Like, exact to be fair, same I thing. think we're three years into this. They haven't thus far, but you find out that they're doing blood work and your parents could be on the line. Okay. As someone whose parents regularly donate blood, like this is something that would be a valid concern for mine. Yeah, like my father's a cancer patient. There's a lot of tubes Yours of his blood, blood floating work, around. Yes. Um, I feel like I'd tell them separately. Yes, because the reactions would be totally different. My mother already jokes that I'm from outer space. So I feel like she's an easier audience. 
Understandable. Frankly, like, if any member of my family is a Yerk, it might be my father. <laughs> um, siblings, I feel like they'd roll with it. I feel like they'd be like, yeah, sure, fine, you know what? That's not the weirdest thing to happen in 2020. That's very true. 2020 telling your parents this would be very different from, like, 2019 telling your parents this. Yeah. I also feel like mom would be would be in that camp of like, yeah, the universe is big enough. There's got to be other life somewhere. Sure. What about you, Tim? I have zero idea how my parents would react to this. Really? Yes. I, I, I imagine that if I told them that they were in an unsafe situation and they needed to go somewhere, they would probably listen to me and get up and go. If I told them that I could turn into animals... I don't know that it would have the same effect. Oh, see, if I told my parents they were in an unsafe situation, my father would call me risk-averse and staunchly do the opposite. No, I think my parents would, they would get in the car and go. I don't think that. You would never need to explain the fact that there's aliens as we take them to an alien. I mean, I'm sure I could work that out as we go. (laughs) But in order to just, like, convince them that they needed to up and leave, I don't think that would be very hard. Okay, but that's you as as an adult. You as a child telling them that, hey, we need to move. There's a problem. I would do everything in my power to avoid telling them the truth. (laughs) Okay. And I would try to move them in a way without any of that becoming something that I would tell them. Because I think it would only cause slowing down of progress. (laughs) Fair. As a kid, mom maybe would have listened. My father 100% would have just thought it was funny and told every goddamn person at work and church over the next week about the funny thing I had said and gotten us all caught. The fact that you'd let him stay for a week? I wouldn't have any say in it. No, No, eventually we'd knock him out and just bring him. Come on. I guess. So the way that they do Cassie's parents is that Tobias goes and kind of taps on Cassie's mom's hand and is like, hey, what's up? Yo, I'm a bird. <laughs> Say I'm a bird. <laughs> if you're a bird, I'm a bird. And she's like, man, we fucking switched to decaf and I regret it. <laughs> she st- No, she dead ass stares at him <laughs> for a full minute and then says, I'm going to make some stronger coffee. <laughs> That minute is the most important minute in this book. (laughs) Because that minute is comedy fucking gold. Mm -hmm. And if the movies happen, and the movies make it to this point, if there are not a full 60 goddamn (laughs) seconds of Cassie's mom staring at Tobias, I will walk out of the theater in that moment. I do love it. And I love the fact that she then proceeds to carry Tobias as he turns into a human. She, like, catches him in her jacket or something. The newspaper. Newspaper, right. And then Axe is there. And she's convinced Axe is an irradiated deer that desperately needs surgery. Yes. It's like, what are you going to do on him for surgery if he's irradiated? (laughs) Rub some aloe on it. They're going to try so fucking hard. Whatever they do. I mean, that's the thing. Like, they are earnestly just 
they care and they are trying hard and they're wonderful, adorable humans. I do appreciate the fact that like their first concern or their last concern at the end of the day is like, hey, we have a barn full of animals. Yeah. We don't want them to die. And like all the small ones they load up in the back of the truck to take to the valley with them. But there's this one deer and Mr. King is like, I'll come check on him and take care of him and heal him and nurse him back to health. And if you're worried that I can do that, who do you think told Louis Pasteur to try using heat? I do appreciate that they're like, yeah, okay. We've seen enough weird shit. Sure. (laughs) Honestly, least weird part of our day. Yeah. I do appreciate that... um... Cassie's mom is like petting axe and Cassie's like would you touch Jake's ass <laughs> and she's like no what she's like don't touch axe's ass and I just I had to stop and just laugh for way too long just the image of what not just the image of someone petting axe's butt but imagine his face as he thinks humans we andalites are above this but i must be patient as this is cassie's mother but also he's probably like damn good butt scritches do you think his like right hind leg twitches (laughs) a little bit yes (laughs) like his tail slacks and like his leg twitches so they decide that rachel's mom is the next to go for because from what they understand jake's family is out looking at lawnmowers Lawnmowers, a.k.a. hork And they basically just go into Rachel's house, pack up a bunch of bags. Rachel then turns into a grizzly and is like, what up, mom? Yeah. Her mother's on the phone refusing to reschedule a deposition. She's like, nah, you should have let him reschedule. You're going to be busy. <laughs> and she throws a spice rack, which I feel like is the most Rachel thing. I know, Rachel is so her mother, right? In like we, so many we get ways. Moments like that a couple of times in this book where it's just like, oh no, this is where Rachel gets it. Rachel and Naomi, definitely related. Do you think that they called her dad? No. Or do you think that they're hoping that because he's out of state at this point? I think they couldn't have called him because I think at some point, once things go down at Jake's, they have to accept there's too much risk in reaching out. Yeah. What do you think? Tim? I don't think that they're done though. Like I, I can't see Rachel just being like, "Well, didn't get to dad." You know, like I, if they have not reached out, they will find a way. That that would not give them away. I think. That's fair. Now. Rachel's mom, though, is the piece of this I want to talk about. Because at what point on that drive to the hork Valley do you think she realized that Rachel being being able to turn into animals is 100% the reason why she had to have massive renovations on her house when the floor was destroyed? (laughs) Multiple times. Yeah. Because it's even mentioned that, like, as Rachel gets in the car, it damages the car. Yeah. Because she climbs in the front passenger seat as a fucking grizzly bear. (laughs) I love it so much. Nothing conspicuous about that. Eh, a boo-boo? I do. So, with Cassie. So, Cassie goes with her parents, as does Marco. 
Rachel goes just, it's just Rachel with her mother and sisters. And it is so reliant on this kind of shock factor and like not letting adrenaline kind of set in or anything like that. I really, really want to know what happens when they get to the Hork-Bajir base. Like, how the fuck do you convince your I don't know. Just like, Naomi, so much is going on. And I just want to know what Naomi, how Naomi reacts. I mean, I think we get like implicitly the answer for her, which is I don't think she lets anyone see that this phases her. Uh, and she- I think she just dives in head first and starts, as Rachel puts it, playing Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, identifying everything that's wrong with their current setup. And, and she's going to make sure they include Hork Bajir in the sequel. Work. <laughs> I just, like, you know during that car ride, because it's not a short car ride. If Rachel's not a bear the entire time, she's going to be like, we need to stop. We need to stop and talk about this. What the fuck? Like, Marco's dad was like, we got to (laughs) stop. I just don't see Naomi, of all people, being like, yeah, sure, okay, we're going to drive the entire way. I mean... I think that's true, but I also think there would be an element of not wanting to freak out the little sisters. True. So Jordan and Sarah are just like so in on this. Well, that's because they think they caught a Pokemon, as Axe refers to himself. And they were riding him. Or one of them was. (laughs) I think Sarah. So what? You were saying something, sorry. Oh, just like I... Not you. I, Tim was oh. saying something. No, it, it, I just, I thought about Lauren again. It, it, it kind of had nothing to do with what's going on, so we can wait. We can talk about it in a minute. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, it's just something kind of struck me when we were talking about parents going back to the Hidden Valley Ranch. Go ahead. Uh, it's that we were talking about how the, the, the accident was Elvis bullshit, right? That left. I think we're pretty agreed on that. Yeah. yeah. But it was, like, temporary because now she's almost whole again, like, minus the memories, but with the the blinding. So, like, that look, that that thought of the Elemis blinding her, uh, well, if he can see all this playing out, he only blinded her temporarily, and it was to set up that Tobias becoming who he was becoming thing. Yeah. So it's it's not quite as, I don't want to say, like, it's more acceptable, but it was, like, the longer, the longer game is less evil sounding you know sure okay so we get to jake's family poor jake arguably the most important family the family they probably should have gone for first and poor jake is just playing basketball pretending that everything is okay as his family looks for lawnmowers which, to be fair, like, interminable trips to buy lawnmowers were a feature of my childhood. So, like, I get that, like, no, he just takes fucking forever picking one out. Maybe so. I'm not faulting Jake's parents, but, like, the fact that to, that Tom wanted to go. Yeah. Did that send off a red flag for anybody? I mean, everything Tom does is yeah. a red flag. This is true. So Tom knocks the gun out of the mom's hand. Okay, this is the thing that 
I so Meg and I were texting earlier. I mentioned that I had finished it. And she's like, I haven't read it. I'm like, okay. There's one thing in this that just confused the fuck out. Dude, of me. I read it four times because I was like, I'm Same. reading it wrong. I am reading it wrong. Like you don't think that Tom was able to gain control? I don't know. I like I honestly don't know what to take from that comment. I don't know like, if she was aiming for something that was stupid to be shooting at. I don't know if Visser One had directed not to kill. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't know. Sure. I mean, my first thought was did Tom's Yerk get put in That's, their mom's yes. head? I thought that too. Like they just they just went ear to ear and the the Yerk just bridged over, right? And now Tom is being held a captive. And I think it's just something about the scene. Or Tom has scene. a lower Yerk. Yeah, yeah, or a lower Yerk. That's possible too. But even then, think, why would he fight back? I think it's like a symptom of that scene as a whole. That that sequence at Jake's house is probably, to me, also the weakest part of this book. Because I don't... I could never really grok a clear understanding of what each of these three vehicles was doing, who yeah. was in control, who was trying to do what. And I know some of that's just like fog of war Tobias reacting. Sure. But I also think just like moments like that and moments like, okay, there are these two other vans on other streets. Yeah. Are they part of like are all three of these and the van the the two Lexuses in the van all working in tandem or are those trying to close in on the van? Okay, well, Jake's mom is shooting. That answers that. But why is Tom knocking this away? Yeah. Where is each of these cars going? Why hasn't anyone gotten out of the van and run up? Like, it was just... It's such a messy sequence of events, I think, by intention. That having a moment that is like... And then Tom knocks the gun out of her hand. Without... I mean, there's no way to explain yeah. it. But without an explanation, like feels loaded in a way that maybe it's not meant to like 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 whatever it is is going to come back up like that's the way that i took it was like even if it is something that 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 whether it was a command that uh, you know uh jake's mom was breaking or whether tom fought through a little bit it felt like a seed being planted because i didn't understand it it's like the 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 quotes in the other books that are in bold types then it's like you know oh, yeah. like what are we what are we doing and it's all playing to something in the future and that's what i hope i hope it wasn't just like a glitchy little weird thing that happened so let's break this down true question is it to visitor one's benefit to have other morph capability bodies no or is it more to his benefit to be the only one and tim says no yeah yeah I think it is if they are like the blue band Hork Bajir get replaced by blue band teenagers. If But you don't think there would be an uprising of some sort? I mean let's like I'm being like legit question. Visitor one, not a great leader. Yes. A a good leader if... would would be able to utilize this to to his benefit or her benefit. But this Visser this this particular leader, no, it would only cause problems. If, if he doesn't one, have inspired loyalty, he inspires yeah, right. fear. And and if anybody matched his power, his his physical power, he would be overcome without question. If he keeps them close, if he keeps them as personal guard, my argument is 
he still has ultimately power because the one thing consistently the Animorphs cannot do is fight him one-on-one. He has stronger morphs. He is, as an Andalite, more physically threatening than a human body. But we do have another Andalite here. That's true. And maybe, maybe his answer there is he doesn't take the Andalite. Maybe he kills off the other Andalite. Um, which I think, I mean, he made the promise to Elfanger at the beginning of the series that he would personally see to it that all of Elfanger's family died at his hands. So, like, I don't feel like Axe survives a confrontation with him if Visser 3 has all the cards. But I feel like the others, I feel like the kids, yeah, he probably keeps close because i think his egotistical answer is no i can control them i still have the upper hand over yurks in those bodies i fall somewhere in the middle i feel like it's been long enough and this has been ongoing i would not be surprised if just like there is a yurk resistance factor faction uh that there is probably some kind of uprising because visor three slash one has been a total asshole this whole time But that's also why I think you keep them in personal guard, because... Maybe so for him. I mean, but I I would also not be surprised if um, he agreed with him where it's like, no, these bodies, you know, it is dangerous to have... We don't know who's against Visitor 1. Fair. You know. So, yeah, no, I just feeding into that whole question of, like, what was the command? Do we save the bodies? Do we not? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And to be fair, if he makes the call of like, hey, let's destroy all these, like, to the wrong person, it's going to piss them off. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of political play in here, I feel like, that we're not getting that I'd be curious to read about. Right. Hey, here's a question. Last book, we asked... Whether or not that was really Visser 3, or Visser 1, who the Krayak pulls in to fight Rachel. Okay. Is that, assuming the answer is, because my answer to that at least was 100% absolutely the real Visser, Visser 1. The real Esplan 9466. Is that why he's now convinced they're human children? I don't know. It's. It would be nice to have some kind of back story on this from the standpoint of how long have they been looking at the blood? And and is that you never got a, a true definition of what they were going for when they started that theory. Like, you don't know that that was the actual like opening hypothesis, I guess. Right. Was, hey, these are kids. But... Timing-wise, it does track pretty hard that that would be the reason. It does. But then again, like, since book seven, there's always been someone who potentially could have known that these are humans. Yeah. But, like, I think I want it to be the case that this is what... No, that's fine. Yeah. Because it feels like like a pretty natural part of the Elemist Krayak chess game. Like, Rachel opens enough of a door for the Krayak to introduce this idea... And Visser three buys Visser one buys it enough that yeah. he'll actually say, 
Let's check humans. Mm-hmm. We don't really know the gap between the last book and this one, do we? There's no real like marker. No. I don't think we do. I don't think there is. But I also feel like it can't be a huge amount of time. I'm just, I feel I'm like... just curious as to like, it, it generally with this series of like, how long has it fucking been? Who knows? Dude. Dude. Also, while Dude. we're talking about Jake, Jake does the coolest crap when he, he morphs Tiger and, and they're like, hey, let me put up a hologram. He's like, no, I want him to see it. I want him to watch. And I was like, oh, man, that is hardcore. That is badass. It is. It's a really great moment where he's like, I'm doing this to give hope to my family. Yeah. That, like, I'm going to fucking save you and to put fear into those that have him captive. Which the first one was definitely the, the, the more, like, grabbed me. You know, like, it'd be one thing to, like, stand there and, like, want to, like, you know, play tough and, like, hey, look. But to so that the, the people inside the Yurk controllers would would have that, like, hey, look, we have a chance here. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Because he knows how much information you get from a Yurk. So he is probably very aware mm-hmm. that while his parents may not understand, especially because they've been Yurk for all of, what, three hours at the most? Yeah. There's no way a Yurk can hide that fear. Right. Him turning into a tiger, which is like this symbolic like, thing that the Yurks are afraid of at this point. Even Visser 3 likes cats. Yeah. Or Visser 1. It it's just yeah no you're right like it's so it is a really fucking cool moment mm-hmm. and not to give spoilers but I think it's really cool that like Jake's basically like at the start of a breakdown with this like Tobias repeatedly says like his whole point in this battle in this war has been to save his family because he's known from the beginning that his brother is stuck yeah and now he doesn't have that motivation. Yeah, he has essentially lost that. And we will find out, at least in the next book, I don't know how much further after that, off the top of my head, um, that Jake is faltering. Like, he questions himself in this book. That's not going away. Like, Jake fucked up, in his mind. Yeah. And doesn't really know, like, (laughs) even Tobias is, like, makes these commands involving lauren and being like oh i feel like jake because now i understand what he's fighting for and jake in a way doesn't have that he lost it also the the whole point at the end where they talk about the the switch how how tobias has family now and jake has lost his family it's it's really like a neat sort of nutshell of the entire story because that is so far from an even swap (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, everybody lost in that deal, top to bottom. Yeah. Like, even though Tobias got Tobias's mom back, she doesn't know who he is and, and no and clue. So there, there was no even transfer, you know? Right. And who knows if she's ever going to be a motherly figure. Right, right. It's a, it's yeah. a net loss no matter how you, how you slice it. Yeah. So um, we, haven't, we haven't covered what all the parents are doing at the Hidden Valley. Which... Yeah, I was about to say, let's talk about that. So I, I, I kind of alluded to Rachel's mom is helping the Hork-Bajir write a constitution. 
because the deciduous and coniferous factions cannot agree on a bark harvesting schedule. I love it. I'm sorry. I love it so much. It's the best. It's the actual fucking best. Marco's dad is like foreman overseeing the construction <laughs> of cabins for everybody. Like just telling hork crew what to cut down, what to build. Like I love how weirdly he and, and Marco's mom thrive in the valley. There was a moment in the beginning where I was like, I kind of wish I knew more about how they were handling this. But as she was Visor 1, like, I think it is the easiest for Marco's dad to sit down and shut up and listen. Yeah. Um, than it will be for Walter and Cassie's mom and Naomi to do. I also love, though, that we learned that, yeah, the hork just really fucking love Cassie's parents. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, they are absolutely taken with them. Yes. It's such a, like, a, a happy alternative to the area outside of the Hidden Valley Ranch, where it's, yes. it's, it's, even your problems are just, they're not problems. <laughs> it's these people that genuinely want to get along arguing about bark. What and I this? just, I love the concept that they learn about what voting is, yeah. and then they don't quite understand what voting is, but that they just keep voting yes or no on everything. Like, does Naomi look like a teacher? Yes, we all in fact vote that she looks like a teacher. No, it's it's L M N O P five letters, not L M N O P one letter. They've changed how they do the alphabet now to like avoid that, and I hate it so much. I I know I've heard it, is, but is, it it will never that. stick in my head. Is that really a yeah. thing? No, yeah, that is an actual thing. Like that, they have changed the song. Oh, how you learn the alphabet. I was about to say, did they change the order of the letters? Yes, no, Tim. Because I'm, I'm just, I'm too old. There's no changing <laughs> no, they it for me. changed the actual song that you learn the alphabet in. Gotcha. It now goes L-M-W-A-P. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. But yes, I had to laugh quite a bit at L-M-N-O-P is not one word. Yeah. Because I'm um, pretty sure I got told that as a child as well. And the reason why she is teaching the hork to read <laughs> is because she helped them write this constitution for them to all then sign, but only Toby can read or write. So none of the hork know what to do other than stare at it. She's like, well, someone should teach you to read, I guess. We vote it's you. <laughs> so she's teaching them to read and write so they can sign the constitution. And also they've got, like, Toby's teaching Krav Maga in the background and tactical shit. Like, I, I like it. And not just teaching Krav Maga and tactical shit, has also been doing intensive debriefing on Visser One, former Visser One, Marco's yes. mom, to get any and all intel possible from her. Yeah, I, I wish Marco's mom was, like, a bigger character right now. Like, I would be fascinated to know what information she's given and if any of these parents also want morphine abilities yeah i wonder like, if i feel like that cassie's parents would love it not from a fighting standpoint but like to understand animals better it's it's such an interesting because it was such a heat of the moment decision for tobias right whereas everybody else you know sort of was in a different position and could go is there any reason to give anybody else morphing abilities Right. Or will that come up? I, 
I feel like giving Naomi the ability to morph is like giving a shark a laser gun. <laughs> I really love Rachel and Tobias in this book. Just yes, like, they're so good. Shit's been bad, especially for Rachel in the last book. And just having these kind of moments of peace. And Tobias realizing that, like, I do, like, I handle this probably not as great as I should. But she's kind of cool with that. and That's okay. That's great. Love's great. And then it's like, please tell me that you need some suicidal mission. He's like, actually, yes. She's like, oh, fucking, this is why I love you. When he, It's just great. When he compares himself to Marco, and he's like, Marco would just have such an easy transition with this. He'd just let Rachel bring him Big Macs and not even think twice about it. Just, and that's why Rachel would hate Marco. Yeah. <laughs> We do, we do in the course of that, though, learn something that I don't think we've ever explicitly known. Which is that you don't have to eat in Morph, and really it does nothing for you in terms of hunger and nutrition to eat in Morph. It only counts if you are in your default form. Yeah, that was an interesting bit to learn. Yeah. Because there's a bit where Rachel brings him the Big Mac, and he's like, well, I need to eat some of this as a hawk, but I'm going to eat the rest of it as human just so I can enjoy it. And oh my god, I'm starting to think like Axe. <laughs> Explicitly fantasizing about the way the flavors combine as he chews, him, chews them. I almost got McDonald's for lunch because of this. A happy meal with extra happy. I'm a little surprised they still go to McDonald's because they know that they're gates to the York pool. Do you think they just avoid that avoid that one? Probably. Or do you think Rachel's defiantly like, no, I will only go to this one. I want them to <laughs> oh, look Rachel me in the eyes. Yes, That's what definitely. it would it, It'd be like you'd have a crappy McDonald's that wasn't a, a gate to the York pool. And then the good McDonald's would be the gate to the York pool. So you'd constantly have to decide... Do I want the good McDonald's, even though I know it's a portal to evil? Or do I want the one that they are going to definitely give me fries I've been sitting out for? Yeah. That is a hard decision. All McDonald's are dead to me for getting rid of the 24-hour hash browns. When did... I thought you could get breakfast any time. Not in COVID times, you can't. Oh, well, that's okay. It's better than Taco Bell. It's getting rid of fucking everything, including the caramel apple, but not as I'm still heartbroken. Taco Bell also has declared war on potato. KFC got rid of potato wedges and has gone to we shitty french fries. We were already supposed to have a potato shortage. I'm sure COVID has only made it worse. I feel like COVID's probably helping because no fast food places are serving fucking potatoes anymore. <laughs> you may be right. <laughs> I did read um, this big battle... With the helicopter and the toy store, um, there's discussion of scooters. Mm-hmm. And I was reading that the Ghost Rider was actually referring to like old school scooters back in like, you know, the 50s or whatever, and just happened to be like on the cutting edge because this is like right when Razor scooters came out. But that's actually ah. not what she's referring to, which I thought was pretty cool. She's picturing like a, a Marty McFly in 1955. Yes. You know what? I had this vision when I read this of Marco trying to do some neat trick and swinging the scooter around and hitting himself in the shin with it. <laughs> Not from personal experience, I'm sure. No, no. <laughs> it's a it's a violent pain. I just pictured Tim <laughs> on a skateboard. Nope. 
Nope. It's very funny. You quicker find a unicorn. I do not have the balance for that. Scooter I could do. At least there's something to hold on to. Skateboard? No. All in knee pads with the helmet. <laughs> yep. I, have, you know, I, have, I oh, see it. He was absolutely in Michelin Man cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nope. That is that is an image. Yep. Okay. Cool. A real crash Tim dummy. Um, I think I've hit all of my notes. We did have a callback that we have not acknowledged. Sure. The Yomfoot. Yeah, the flu? Yes. Yep. We did. We had several callbacks in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel got the flu bad. Yeah. And if she went to the hospital and actually, like, if she went to the hospital, then yes, blood was drawn. Yeah. Uh, we have not talked about Tobias reacting to Lauren kissing him while morphed into champ. <sighs> Tobias, it's just sad. Like, that's all. It's just sad. Like, I cried a lot. That is literally everything that needs to be said about that, is that it's sad. He wanted a race car bed. I love him so much. She leans down and holds Champ's head with both hands and kisses him on the nose. And Tobias is like, I always imagined my mother kissing me this way. I wasn't a dog, though, and I know this is for the dog and not me, and therefore I am sad. I want my race car bed. (laughs) I mean, it sucks. I cannot imagine. Yeah. It's like, so... Poor Tobias. Probably the best story arc of this entire series. Hands down, easily. It just is so fucking sad. Yeah. And we're not done. Nope. Still got five more books. Yeah. Well, before we start talking about book 50, which, holy shit, 50. Alex, you got that good, good animal fact for us? I do have a good, good animal fact for us. Um, we are all familiar with sugar gliders, right? Of Fuck course. Yeah. Wrong. You thought you knew sugar gliders. Sugar gliders are, in fact, three different species. A new study shows that sugar gliders are three genetically distinct and physically distinct species. The previous recorded Petraris breviceps and two new species, the Krefts glider, Petraris notatus, and the Savannah glider, Petraris aerial. Each, Each one, as you move more north toward the equator, gets smaller. The, the bigger species are the ones we classically think of. How small do they get? Um, let me see if this article says how small they get. Because honestly, from here, it kind of goes into bummer territory. No. <laughs> um, it, does not, it does not say the article I'm looking at. Here's the bummer news. Sugar gliders in general were already considered... Uh, uh, at risk of being endangered, whatever the status just above endangered is, uh, susceptible or whatever. Now that one species is actually three, they are definitely 100% in trouble, all three of them. Oh, that sucks. Um, 
wildfires and all of that in Australia recently, earlier this year. Yes, that was also 2020. <laughs> um, massively infected, massively affected the environments of the OG sugar gliders. Um, yeah, that's it. There are three kinds of sugar gliders. That's the good news. So sugar gliders are actually a Batman villain. And have been creating other sugar gliders. No, sugar gliders are not villainous at all. You are speaking sacrilege. <laughs> um, but hey, maybe maybe the reintroduction of Tasmanian devils into mainland Australia will help. Um, I do have a, a brief addendum. Um, this this article does not necessarily. Bring us a ton of new information, but joining the club of the previously mentioned Flying Squirrel and Puffin, platypuses glow under black light. Interesting. And I do have pictures of these. I also just sent you both a picture that I've been sitting on for a little over a week. If you think about it, a kangaroo is just a T-Rex deer. Yep. Uh, the headline for this platypus article I'm looking at in the New York Times is platypuses glow under blacklight. We have no idea why. I do actually think I saw that article. I did because Phineas and Ferb's creator is on TikTok and he made Perry the platypus glow and was really excited about the fact that he was right. Amazing. I was like, why do I know this? Anyway, platypi are the weirdest animals on Earth, and frankly, for a book series that has canonically established that broccoli was introduced by aliens, I'm surprised that platypi have been left terrestrial in origin. I mean, we've got five more books. Who knows? knows? I feel like, by the way, platypi aliens, platypi, I'm sorry, broccoli and dogs are from outer space. Platypuses come from fucking Earth. Okay. Tim, it is our favorite time of the podcast. Okay. Book 50 is called The Ultimate. Which means that this can only be one thing. It has to be the sequel to The Extreme. And this is the Frisbee tournament? Uh, I was going to go with snowboarding. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's basically just a rehash of Book of 25. No. But with snowboards instead of skateboards. Because that's what you do with blockbusters. Anthony Hawk Esquire comes back. So this is the point break two of Yes. This is it. This is where it happens. You cannot believe when there are five books left that we're going to get something that pointless. (laughs) I mean, I believe... And desire are two different things. Okay, which one is this? (laughs) This one would be desire. Okay, then what is belief? (laughs) No, I don't believe that that's actually going to happen. I'm having a hard time working anything out of the ultimate, though. The titles are bullshit. Like, when have we ever talked about the title? Let's be honest. What what was the diversion in this book, exactly? Rachel was, repeatedly. Thought about it for the entire book and never worked it out. 
Rachel the lawnmower. repeatedly. The lawnmower was the diversion. It was as much a diversion as Rachel was. Rachel was, she was an elephant. And, like, that really didn't, like, that wasn't enough to title a story after. I mean, Tobias's love struck heart. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, based on the, the shit that happened in this, let's start with it. Okay, who, all right, so d- disregarding the title. Who is the title. narrator? Uh, it's going to be Cassie. Yes. Okay. It's hard to, like, I know I should disregard the title. Okay. So, Jake's the parents. Betrayal. Yeah, maybe. Um, Jake's parents will have to come up in this one. I can't wait till another Jake book. So, the it'll have to be that Cassie helps Jake save Tom. There you go. That's it. Tom gets saved in the next book. Okay. And also Cassie beefs it. Now, when you say Tom gets saved. Religiously? Is this, yeah, is this like a Tom finds Jesus or? No, I, I think they finally get the yerk out of Tom's head. But I bet you, I bet you, as a twist, Jake's parents still yerked by the end of the book. How weird would it be if, in the last five books, this series took a turn into, like, weird Christian propaganda? <laughs> Considering how atheist Michael Grant and Kay Applegate seem to be. Not to say that they are, but I'm fairly certain that they are. Oh. Also, the, the kid, uh, the, the, this is unrelated to my prediction. My prediction is over now. The kid that they got to be Tobias on the cover of the Animorphs book, that kid looks like a Jake to me. He doesn't look like a Tobias. So the original Tobias, they darkened his hair because I think he and Jake were too similar looking. But But Tobias is supposed to be blonde. I think that Chris Grind's Tobias is a much better representation of Tobias than the... It is a much more 90s representation, yes. This kid does not look like toilet in, or head in toilet kid, you know? I mean, he's like 16 now. Maybe he's less head in toilet. Maybe. maybe. I mean, I suppose you have a point. We do grow out of it, I guess. Also, he's a bird now. He's much <laughs> less head in toilet. You said we. Do we, do we need to discuss your, your teen years, your uh, childhood? My, my head has never been in a toilet. Good to know. And I've never seen that actually done to anybody, so I just assume that's a TV trope. And if it isn't, I don't want to know. I'd rather just believe it's a TV trope and that it never happened to Hear anybody. Hear that? If you've ever been swirly, that's at Remo Beware oh, on God. Twitter. I will, I will help you pay them back because... Oh, I actually have some great ways you can pay people back with revenge. We can, we can really help you out yeah. here. I'm going to give you this for book 50. Okay, give me something. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but here's the question that they are starting to ask themselves. Is it time to increase their numbers? They all remember too well what happened with David, the Animorph gone bad. Yes. But at this time, do they have a choice? Um. Well, you know what the interesting wrinkle to that is, right? So they, they, they David got the powers and it was bad. So they just decided it was bad. Well, now Lauren got the powers, and it was kind of good. 
So that could definitely swing the other way now. You know, you have a, a, well, now, a good representation of it. Now they're not stuck just recruiting other kids. Yeah, also true. So I guess... And now there's no, oh no, what if the Yerks find out we're kids now? Like, they literally know exactly who they are. So let's play in the space. If they decide that they're going to increase their numbers, who, where, how, how are they doing that? The Ultimate Warrior. Star Trek convention. The Ultimate Warrior? Yes, that's why the book title. Now it makes sense. Professional wrestlers. UFC. <laughs> the Rock is an Animorph. You heard it here first. Dude, that's all I can imagine is like the Animorphs fighting Visser, you know, one and some Hork Bajir, and all of a sudden the Ultimate Warrior's music starts playing and he just comes flying down with a chair and just hey, takes hey, out. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey. Do you know what Dwayne Johnson's favorite morph is? No. It's a Rock Lobster. <laughs> Yeah, this episode I'd was asked, great until that point. I can't, I'd have asked you too, Meg, but I knew you were not the audience for that particular <laughs> no, goof. Not at all. <laughs> uh, you really, really think that the smart way that they're, or the way that they're going to go is like to find adults who are going to listen to 16-year-old kids? Uh, roughly 16-year-old well, kids? The, the thing is, though, like you already have a little built-in pocket with your parents. You really think these parents are going to take a back seat and listen to their kids? Your son comes up to you. Dad, I've been fighting these aliens for the last, like, three years. Oh, no. Hang on. Hang on. I'm sorry. I... This is how most we of our conversations We did not mention start. the moment when Eric King, or sorry, Mr. King is like, okay, let me just show oh, you yeah. all these ways Cassie has almost fucking beefed Oh, me. yeah, that's true. I did forget about that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, immediately they're like, we have to go. <laughs> Your kid comes up to you. <laughs> Rachel's mom exited pursued by bear. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke for me. Thank you. Um, comes up to you and goes, I've been fighting this alien war for the past year or two. It has now come to my attention that you are in danger. Do you want to join the fight? But you have to listen to me. It has Dad. come to my attention you are in danger, and also I am a threatening hoodlum. Yeah. If, if my <laughs> eight-year-old son came up to me and said that, I would be like, where do we go? Like, without question. Because even if he's, like, making it all up, it's going to make for a fun day. <laughs> but see, then you become the dad in the book with the Star Trek fans yeah, and you die. <laughs> That's weird, Tim. You weren't scheduled off. How did you wind yeah. up at Disney for a week? Yeah, that's, that's how it would well, go. Well, <laughs> it started with my son walking up to me and telling me we were in mortal danger. Also, there's something creepy when kids tell you that. Yeah. Like, an adult comes up and be like, what, are you trying to start a fight? A kid comes up and I'm like, oh, I've seen these movies. I should listen. <laughs> say, Tim just invented horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with creepy kids? Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything we want to promote or shout out in this episode? Can we can we just fit in a verse of Tears for Fears? Shout, <laughs> shout, let it all out. I did not need that stuck in my head. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. 
we'd like to thank Red Sphinx for our show art. You can check out more of their work by supporting as Patreon or visiting Chaos Does Art on Instagram. If you're interested in getting some cool art, you can also email red at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com. Peep our social meds. We're at Minds at York on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to send us some question, comments, or love letters, you know what? I did not ask you if we had any. I did not check. I checked, and we don't. Fuck you all. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to send us some, great. If not, go to hell. (laughs) Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Fucking hell. All right. Well, if you decide you want to in these last few episodes... Uh, you can email us at mindsatyerk at gmail.com. Our website is mindsatyerk.com. You spell yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. If you like us and want to help us out, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcast. We are available on your podcatcher of choice. Please let us know if you cannot find us there. Also, check out our Discord. Discord's great. All right. Somebody say when. When. What? But perfect sense left my world a long time ago. Oh, that's a mood. (laughs) That's the 2020 mood. (laughs) I'm Megan. My name was Alex. Alex. And I have been Tim. And until then, we fight. We fight. (laughs) I hate that so much. (laughs) That's weird. Earlier you said you loved it.